Inspired Execution is a podcast where tech leaders from global enterprises discuss their journey to scaling billion-dollar businesses. Chet Kapoor is chairman and CEO of Datastax, with more than 20 years of experience working with global enterprises. Join us to hear about the experiences and mentors that played a role in their growth. Cody Sanford, T-Mobile's EVP and CIO, leads the company's digital transformation strategy for T-Mobile's Uncarrier Revolution. In this episode, Cody makes it clear that customers and employees on the front lines should always be at the center. You'll hear Cody say it's not about the technology, but rather about the team that comes together to leverage it. Listen in to get insight on how obsessing over metrics and staying curious through the pursuit of learning will serve you well. Cody, thank you very much for joining us. Excited to have you on the podcast. Thrilled to be here, Chad. So you've been at T-Mobile for 20 years. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of your roles and what has come easy and what has been hard. Well, that's a, that's a great question, Chad. See, I joined T-Mobile, uh, at the time it was VoiceStream, in June of 99. And I've had the wonderful privilege to work in almost every facet uh, of our business. It's been a continuation of a journey for me because I've been in wireless since I graduated college. I actually started in wireless when cell phones were still held in two hands or in a briefcase. And most of the listeners probably won't remember that. But um, I remember very fondly picking up my first Motorola a brick and being so excited I could get 25 minutes of talk time. But that was my introduction to the wireless. But I started in, in uh, the network engineering space and um, had a chance to kind of work all over the country and spent seven years doing network engineering in Texas a couple of times, in New York and in Seattle. And then I had a wonderful moment in, in Voice Dreams history when we were actually lagging in uh, our radio technology. At the time, it was not 5G. We were talking about it was 3G. And we were lagging. And I had a chance to come and start thinking about product and technology more uh, as one. So I got a chance to come up and lead the 3G effort. But the 3G effort for us coincided with the launch of, of the G1, the Google's first Android phone. So I had a chance to kind of wrap uh, my hands around technology and products uh, in, in that effort, which was an amazing experience. And then had some amazing mentors and leaders uh, in my career when I was back in Seattle working for headquarters. One of the, those leaders, his name was uh, Jim Alling, who was the president at the time, asked me if I might be interested in going back into the field and, and learning sales, a very rare opportunity in most people's careers to completely change uh, directions. So I tacked and I was leading our West Region Retail Sales uh, Organization. And one of the experiences I relish the most about my tenure at T-Mobile is uh, that number of years. And then host of M&A and transformation activities uh, until I ended up in my current role. Uh, very circuitous route, very non-traditional for a CIO, but I think it's provided me a very unique window into what makes our business tick, what our customers care about uh, the most, and how information, people, and process, uh, and technology is threaded kind of from left to right through our company. So uh, it's been a great privilege to be able to do all that, and uh, that's how I got to where I'm at. Talk about a zigzag journey, right? I mean, you've had the chance to be on the build side and on the go-to-market side with significant depth. Yeah, I have. And it has, um, I, I don't think, unless you've lived both, the recipient of uh, products and technology in the front line and literally in stores standing face-to-face with the customers and on the technology side, ingesting all of those requirements and into products and services and 
uh, and tools and utilities to under like to really be able to bridge uh, that communication gap, which is so hard to bridge organizationally and so hard to bridge with process that that just being able to have experienced that has I think has made me a, a much more rounded uh, executive. It was it was hard. The transitions were hard. The zigzagging didn't come without a price, but they've been so valuable in my growth as a leader in the industry. What came easy and what was hard? I would say generally, this industry has been as dynamic an industry as you can imagine. I mean, we have evolved from a functional utility to uh, sitting at the nexus of mobility, the internet, and content, and mobile life, how people actually um, spend most of their time living their lives those two are unnatural worlds. The hardest part throughout my journey, and they didn't come all at once, it's come in stages. And it, I could probably share stories about each of those stages. But generically, when we you get to those moments of inflection and you realize that the culture and the people and the way that you're working no longer match the expectations of your customers, of the industry, of the analysts, fill in the blank. First of all, you have to know that you're in that moment, which isn't always easy because you've got a lot of history suggesting that everything that you're doing is, is going well and you're doing it right. Um, so seeing the moment was, 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 was hard. Thankfully, I was surrounded by great people to help point that out. But then helping your teams navigate through it, retooling and, and rebuilding the cultures to, to reflect that, that has been by far uh, the hardest. Hardest, not in a, in a bad sense, hardest in uh, the most rewarding. Uh, but definitely those have come the most pivotal times in our company's growth. I would tell you that the easiest parts for me um, has uh, has been the fact that our company has always kept our customer and our employee, especially our frontline employee, at the center of our decision making. And that is an easy place to ground yourself because it was always there and it was always resident in how we, we made decisions and we prioritized and we talked about uh, implications of our investments and how we analyzed success. It's a safe space to go as an organization. You, everyone understands the terminology, the vocabulary, and throughout our evolutions, all of our CEOs and our private boards and our move to a public and our, our acquisition by Deutsche Telekom, our merger with Metro, and then our most recent uh, merger with Sprint, that, that's always been a truth, an axiom that we can align on. And that has made a lot much easier because that common language and decision-making uh, foundation is just, it makes all the hard things in, in life just a little bit easier. And it makes it so much easier to relate into employees and to bring reason to your decisions as a leader. It's about them, not about us, because I just think it makes it a lot easier. You know, egos go away and you start focusing on what matters to them. And then the outside thinking comes in. Otherwise, you have this tendency to stay in the ivory tower and not and completely forget about what's happening in the bazaar. Exactly. Obviously, the organization is very customer focused. In all the years I've known you, you've been very customer focused. You recently did an episode for Accelerate, and this was your quote. We get it right most of the time, but getting it right is not what makes digital companies amazing. It's the ability to get it right with feedback and do it iteratively and in real time. How have you done this successfully? I mean, I, you know, I, I think about a service provider or a, a telco, if I may, and I think about real-time and feedback and iteratively, those two generally don't go well together, right? You, you guys have defied the odds and come up with a new way to work and to be successful doing it year after year after year. How have you done that? 
I wish I had um, some top secret recipes to share with you. What I'll share, I think, is going to sound hard to pull off, but it's rather straightforward. When you put the customer at the center of that uh, decision-making tree, and then you empower your front lines to influence uh, the decisions that you're making as a company, and then you take the space out between the customer and the leaders, meaning giving the customer access to speak to leadership, either through social channels or directly through internal channels or through acceptable open door policies from the front line and through data itself, but creating all of these grooved channels for communication to run from the employees that serve our customers every day and the customers themselves, that information becomes instantly consumed by the leadership team. And then we pivot as necessary. We get lots of things wrong. It's, it's, it's impossible to get a product right every time or an experience right every time. Or sometimes you make calculated decisions about, hey, this experience is good enough, um, or our customers really don't care about this. Uh, and then you realize you were dead wrong. And that was the thing that they cared about most. Two things happen over time by practicing that. Number one is your employees feel empowered to tell you before you bring something to market that the idea you have is really a stupid idea or it needs to be improved. And we've tried to do our things like we have a a group called TOPS or Team of Professionals. And we actually, in our, in our product team, we bring about 30 or 40 frontline employees from our care and retail teams from all over the country. And we bring them into our product organization and then distribute them throughout our product teams to participate in the design process and, um, and give us uh, feedback as we're designing these experiences to say, hey, this is the tool that you're using to support or serve or sell is not really designed to do that. You should think about this or uh, provide feedback from people who are dealing with our customers every day. Uh, and there are programs like that all over the place. So it, it's not one area. It's just organically in how we ingest information. And then I would share, I think we do a fairly good job at um, using data in our, both in how we analyze decisions that we're making as a leadership team and, and in our care and in retail uh, channels themselves. We are obsessed with uh, net promoter scores and we are obsessed with the metrics that build to net promoter scores and ensuring that we get really deep onto the covers there and provide the, the frontline real-time coaching and development feedback on areas that influence net promoter scores. All those things which build to a wonderful customer experience are ingrained in the DNA of those organizations. So in short, it's not one thing, uh, but it's a commitment to that decision-making and the and the pursuit of that intelligence in every way that it comes in that um, I think makes a big difference. Any specific technologies that have been super helpful that you see in the horizon that you think will make a big difference to this journey you have? Because it is constant and you're going to continue it with it for a long time. The most obvious specifically to this question is uh, predictive analytics and using uh, ML and AI on the amazing troves of data that we have for real-time contextual customer journey support. I would share with you just being transparent. I think we're early in our journey as a company on that. There are companies out there that are materially uh, advanced from where we are today. And as an industry, I don't think that we have done anywhere near enough in, in this space. And this is using the data in, in ways that actually make the customer experience much richer. This isn't about monetizing data or advertising to customers. This is about ensuring that we know before a customer asks what their experience is and based on who they are and what they've done with us in the past, being able to service them uh, in whatever medium that they come in with, whether that's social care or retail, with information that is gleaned from all of their recent experiences, whatever channel they've interacted with us and bringing it to bear in that, in that moment in time. 
you know, giving those Jarvis, uh, Iron Man Jarvis skills to our frontline, um, those are all unlocked through uh, ML and AI. And it, it definitely, I mean, it's, it sounds, it's trite, um, but it's very challenging to actually make that that experience super effective across the enterprise, considering how many tens of millions of customers we have and how many touch points we interact with them. I would tell you that's probably the, the next big adventure for us, which is really leveraging that to the most of its ability. I think you're being humble. I would, I would tell you in my discussions with CIOs, CTOs, and CEOs that almost everybody is in the very early stages of using ML and AI for customer experience. We still don't completely understand how to weave it into the experience and do it at scale so that it continues to be seamless. All us technologists who are going off and trying to do it, I think realize that it's not simply about taking a bunch of data and just, you know, doing ML on top of it, right? It has to be a lot more than that because it has to be when you interact with the products or with the actual company. And we're still early days. How you structure your data and how you uh, manage your respective data lakes and how your company uh, values um, the organization and exposure of data um, is way more important than the workflow engines and the and the northbound UIs that manifest the workflows. And it is also one of the hardest things to train organizations to get good at because those muscles are fairly atrophied or never have been developed um, because it's, you know, they're just, they're not uh, inherently beneficial uh, for the unique users. It has to be like the stitching together of all the data from across the entire enterprise. So uh, we're in the process right now of, of exercising those muscles a lot you know, the pursuit of a single source of truth in a, in a single data architecture, and then the evolution of that single source of truth. Those are easy things to say and hard things to execute. Good companies understand that and make that that iterative pursuit of excellence part of their DNA. And I, I hope that's what we're doing at T-Mobile. It isn't the, the actual completion of a particular customer journey. It's the, it's the behaviors of thinking about data first in a design um, how the data is landed, where it's landed, and how it's coupled, how the use cases are built. If you start building that muscle early in the design process of everything that you do, it starts to become second nature. That's the goal. As you go through this journey, if you project forward five years from now, what would you have loved to have known? It's not about the tech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, wish, I wish someone would have told me a long time ago that has nothing to do with technology. And I know for technologists, that's almost uh, nails on a chalkboard. But I have learned through, especially in the last seven years, which I feel like has been an explosion in this wonderful technology, you know, making all these low code, and you and I have been partnered on this all the time, how, taking things that used to be remarkably complex, even not at scale, but making those things accessible to developers at scale uh, and making it secure at scale. Those are amazing unlocks, but those have always been the easiest part. And getting teams to work together to leverage the technology has always been the hardest part. So if someone would have told me that it wasn't about the tech, it, it would have helped me uh, a lot seven years ago. I think I learned the lesson most acutely about four or five years ago, but uh, it would have helped if I had known it before I started. We're living in interesting times. How is, uh, has that affected the way you lead your teams and drive them to results and inspire them? We're, we're learning so much in the lessons we thought we learned two months ago. Uh, we're learning all over again. You know, a, a few months ago, we were in the in the honeymoon phase, everyone loves working remotely and it's working great and we need to do this forever. And 
Uh, now we're in the, well, maybe it's not so great for everyone all the time. And maybe it's not so great for some people ever. There's all these things that we're learning in this time of COVID, I think are going to be invaluable lessons for how we think about our workforce and getting work done uh, forever. I, I firmly believe it. We will never see uh, our workplaces return to normal, uh, normal being in the, the state before COVID. I think we've all, every every company out there that that has teams that can work remotely um, have learned immense lessons about what that looks like. And every company that has employees that can't work remotely have learned about the value of, of digital. And if they didn't know it before, they are acutely aware of it now. And, and I don't care what industry you're in, you're you're learning how digital interrelates with your customers and your employees. Very, very, either it's wonderful or it's very painful. But for T-Mobile specifically, um, and for my team in particular, we are literally in the throes of discussing how to have a distributed workforce and preserve the elements of our culture that we think make us unique and make our teams unique and make T-Mobile the kind of place that someone wants to work for. And how do you unlock all that, the benefit of remote work with the power of, of a culture uh, and not foregoing one for the other? So we're in the midst of it. Um, we don't have any answers, but I, I will tell you, we, we are definitely designing for a workforce that is uh, is capable uh, of working in whatever format you we choose to go forward, which means that every meeting is going to be a meeting that is digital and people are going to be able to connect in remotely and we measure productivity remotely and we communicate um, through collaboration channels that were lightly used before, which are, are now heavily used. We're in the middle of the journey, Chet, as I'm sure every one of your listeners and, and you are as well. What inspires you? I'm easily inspired. It makes my job fun to show up. I will tell you a couple things that uh, inspire me right now. I think we are living through a moment in history, and I mean a moment in two decades, that probably will have shaped how industry is done and how humans interact and how society works more than any other period uh, in human history, maybe with the exception of the Industrial Revolution and even arguably in more. But if you just think back in the, in the last 11 years, how the fabric of our, our society has changed with the advent of mobile life and mobile computing. And then the, this, this moment we're in now with the, the coming together of um, 5G and content uh, and mobility and this coalescence of everything in the space that I'm working in, the space itself is inspiring. The times we're living in are inspiring if you are inspired uh, by that kind of uh, work. But I, I will share with you, mostly I'm inspired by individuals and in particular, in the last few years, people who are using their influence, whether that's social, political, or an industrial enterprise, pursue social good. I think we have unique responsibility and unique exposure and opportunity. And there are people I work with every day that are doing things for, I believe, the, the betterment of society and using all that wonderful technology and access that, we've, that we're bringing to life to advance for things that they care about and to do good along with their uh, corporate and enterprise responsibilities. And then the last note I'll just say is uh, I had a chance to talk to our about 300 interns last week, and these interns joined us. They can, they've never met anybody. I mean, they're literally starting internships staring at, a, at the WebEx screen, and they're still 
excited and inspired and curious and enthusiastic and and all the things that I probably wouldn't have been had I been uh, their age and at that stage in my career. And I find all that's inspiring too, the passion and curiosity young people are bringing into our space right now and how advanced they are relative to how, where I was anyway, coming in at the workspace. I'm regularly awed. That's, that's awesome. One more question for you. If you had to give advice to a younger version of yourself, what would it be? Two things that I believe I didn't always practice, and, but when I did, it has always served me very well in life. Uh, one is never stop being curious, and that's everything. And things that you don't know and things you think you know, being open to, to hearing new perspectives on it. So curiosity and the pursuit of learning, it's one of those skills and practices, capabilities that people have that it always serves you well, especially when you're just starting out on your career. And the other thing that I, I offer is say yes more and take risks on yourself more. I had throughout my career, some of which I shared with you, these, you know, these opportunities to take risks that on the surface were not great for my career, probably um, were more lateral in nature or even steps back, but they were opportunities for me to learn and grow. I had wonderful mentors, which pushed me to, to, to say yes, but, but those moments when you can take a risk on yourself to advance something that you care about are wonderful chances uh, to grow and learn. And when you look back in your career, I, I think those moments are the most powerful moments in the most important inflection points in my career. Cody, as always, it is an honor and a blast to talk with you. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Chet. The big takeaway in today's episode, customers. It's not about the technology. It's about putting the customer at the center and empowering people on the front lines. Cody's advice to us, never stop being curious and always say yes. And lastly, Cody closes by reiterating that we are living in a moment in history. It's exciting to hear from him how it all comes together with 5G content and mobility. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Inspired Execution Podcast, hosted by Chairman and CEO of Datastax, Chet Kapoor. We have many more guests with phenomenal stories to come, so stay tuned. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the series to be notified when a new conversation is released. And feel free to drop us any questions or feedback at inspiredexecution at datastacks.com.